This is the 2010 Jack Straw Writers Program. We'll hear writer Roberto Ascalon in discussion with program curator Jared Lysing. Spoken word requires you, your body, to be in the room. It actually requires your, your mouth to make sense of the words. And your mouth making sense of the words is dictated by your culture, your parents. If your parents have a twang, you're going to have a twang. And I really love that about poetry in and of itself. Like the, the fact that you can hear people's history as it works itself out in the language. Audience matters to me because the fundamental nature of poetry is to connect the inside with the outside. Whatever is in me is somehow launching out from me and into you. Whether or not it's my words or, you know, the visuals of me flailing my arms on stage, there's something that, uh, that gets me juiced, that gets me uh, amped, that fills me with some kind of energy. I, I used to write right before I went on stage and then, you know, would, would perform something. And I, I would do well because it's, again, because it's so raw. And then I would take it and edit it. And then there would be further iterations of the, of the poem or the performance piece. Now we'll hear Roberto's live reading at Jack Store Productions. These are things I learned about you in the 12 and a half minutes on the 125 between downtown and Del Ridge and Andover. I know you have a cat. I know how you feel about your brother. I know about the breakup, and I'm sorry about your mother. I know that you have a series of sickle-shaped scars on your left thigh from all the times you tried to cut your way home. And when you peel a split end, you get a dense rush of satisfaction when you make it all the way to the root. I know about how the bloodstain got into the pillowcase in the garage and that you smell like sourdough starter when you're embarrassed, crack your knuckles when you're angry, and pop your jaw when you're sad. I know you make yourself sick thinking about the coming of the next hour, all the simple cruelties you hum in the shower, how sometimes when you get home at night, the door to your bedroom locks thick you got to shoulder lean real hard after the click just to keep that shit from creeping back underneath. And yes, I know how you got that callus on your thumb. How in your dreams you read long books. I know how you love to eat small fruits with the smallest of seeds. How walking past churches at night makes you think about lonely old God in the sexy black dark and how on certain days the sounds of the bus make you sleepy, and how the snow line in the Olympics, especially from this distance, when you lean your head against the window, especially after a really good rain, feel like a homecoming story, and it makes the exact center of your palms itch with the unwanted glory and spinning head hope that all of this, all of this, will turn out okay in the end. This is uh, called The History of My Yellow Tooth. 
Fat Cat's Billiards on Christopher Street in Manhattan is not just a pool hall. You can play ping pong on the left side on the way to the bathroom or humiliate your old college roommate at air hockey on the right or wash shots of burning belly whiskey with cheap PBR and bad choices or play chess nestled in the deep funk of the Salvation Army couches that surround the janky-ass little stage while a faux New Orleans jazz quartet populated by Juilliard rejects from NYU play Miles Davis ripoffs with a punchy twist. But that's not why you go. You go because of history. Because before the retro cutesy suburban basement games gentrified the neighborhood, Anthony Alexander told you that it was a haven for the Asian gangland back in the late 80s when New Order and Erasure played at every high school dance and Korean gangsters rolled through the Stuyvesant prom with Uzis and graffitied the gym walls with lead and the floors with the clink clink of falling brass just like the final scene of a John Woo movie only without the doves and you were dying to see the way that the gel held up the pump of their bangs and how come they never blinked as they dangled pack after pack of Marlboro lights out of the corner of their mouths how they ran rack after rack of three-man cutthroat stretched their scrawny arms long ways over ash-pock tables and always paused, eyes up, checked the door, went so far as to touch their hands to their rib cages, just inside their black double-breasted suit jackets like they were fondling the handles of their guns. And though that's not real history, because you never even went in the early 80s because you were afraid that they would mistake you for Korean, real history is the fact that you still tried to do the exact same things you thought they might might do when you were standing online with your former best friend, Anthony Alexander, at the Battle of the Bands after he transferred to LaGuardia, just to get away from all the racist shit he'd lived through at your school since kindergarten, some of which you put his black ass through in order to earn your white card. Real history is the way that you were intimidated by all the white friends he'd made and went so far as to ask if... They were looking for you as you smiled nervously, touched your hand to your own ribcage just inside your jacket like you were fondling the handle of your gun, and they looked at you and thought you were a gangster, or at least you wanted them to. You tried to pretend like you were because you thought gangsters had real power, but that too is not real history. Real history is the way that the floorboards changed at Coco's Roller Rink, which used to be Fat Cat's Billiards back in the early 80s when there was a disco ball and great carpeting on this side of the handrail and the bar, which back then only sold RC Cola and Orange Fanta and root beer, was in place of the ping pong tables by the bathroom. The real history is right there because that's where Alita Kang's mom, the sweet Korean lady who pushed Alita to be an actual award-winning Juilliard concert violinist with a genuine um, eating disorder, gave you a cup of ice water to soothe you. History is the fact that you sucked at skating and after putting on the ill-fitting skates that reeked of disinfectant, you went out onto the floor where after hours of trying to be comfortable in your own miserable skin, you finally got the nerve to actually skate fast. And this is where you found the rest of history, the spot where the floorboards changed and totally threw you off balance, and you fell flat on your face, and you saw your tooth disappear, ricocheting like a pinball in between the neon glow of the vinyl skate wheels. And that's what history is. It's the electric lance of pain that caresses the dangling nerve from your cracked open tooth and shoots, shoots, shoots its way into your obedient smile as you, a good Filipino boy, do what you are told 
cold and drink the ice water that is killing you. And now you go to Fat Cats to remember why you are who you are and why New York is what it is. And that is why when you are 36, sometimes you look in the mirror every so often and ask yourself, why is my tooth so yellow? <laughs> This one is uh, for my family, and uh, this is for my mom. It's based on a set of letters that I've never written, but a poem that I read a lot. Dear Mom, I, I've tried to write this to you so many times before. Dear Mom, hi. How are you? How are the little birds? Are they coming to the feeder this year? Mother, my body lay deep sleeping in your thorax as you flew from the east on iridescent gossamer wings to lay your eggs in the Big Apple. I, after eating out the core, have finally metamorphed in a place where the road signs on I-5 tell me they quarantine apple maggots. <laughs> Ma, please stop calling my underwear panties. <laughs> I know it's a covertly matriarchal culture with indistinct gender differentiations, but you don't know how embarrassing it is to hear Rob. Please get your panties out of the bathroom. <laughs> it's underwear, ma. The word is underwear. <laughs> Dear mother, I fucked a parade of white girls on your bed. Or maybe I got fucked. I can't tell which is true. Each of whom I thought might dilute the power of my blood, your blood, all in an uncomfortable tribute to your desire for a mestizen nose. Dear Mommy, Oedipus was the first prodigal son, and though I have squandered the riches of your love, I will not return home, and I refuse to tear out my eyes because you taught me at least how to look for truth. Dear Mama, you gave me brown skin, Roy Ayer's pretty brown skin, pretty summertime brown skin, and like Sekou, who first spoke to me in song, the flighted fifth note of blue, I choose to wear my skin like a skin color. Dear Mother, you gave me the gift of Babel. I, like other poets before me, was born with two tongues, and that I might fit in, you saw fit to amputate one but you had not the heart for branding my face with fire. So like a hydra, a thousand tongues have sprouted in its very place. All right, man. Your body's falling apart. They're replacing tendons, kneecaps, shoulders. But still, the bionic woman ain't got shit on you. Dear mother, I saw you age a decade overnight. The one night I drove home from school, lost and afraid because this mortal coil was wrapped too tight around my neck like a wool scarf in winter. This flesh of your flesh, blood of your blood, aches to find its own, its own will, its own purpose. I, na 
I ache to know. So, forgive me for my sins, Mommy, because I am sorry. I'm so very sorry. Dear Mom, I've tried to write this so many times before. Dear Mom, hi, how are you? How are the little birds? Are they coming to the feeder this year? This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2010 curator of this program is Jared Lysing. Music performed by the Seattle Experimental Opera and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, CJ Lazenby, and Steve DeTore. Narrator is Amy Brumhall, and executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rubinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.